A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to the Media Podcast, I'm Ollie Mann. On today's show, the quarterly radio ratings are in. We'll crunch the numbers from the latest Rajars and tell you all you need to know about the state of UK radio. Vice hits 1 million subscribers on YouTube, but as a company with profits expected at half a billion this year, are they really getting paid in likes? We'll also discuss the fallout from MIPCOM, the background to the Guardian's whisper scoop, and the table plan for Guido Fawkes' 10th anniversary bash. This is the Media Podcast, sponsored by by Audioboot. Well, joining me at the Hospital Club this week are the media writer Maggie Brown and Broadcast Magazine's news editor Jake Cantor. Welcome to you both. Hello. Hello. Slightly more illustrious surrounds, isn't it, than when you were last on the pod? It's deeply glamorous. Yeah. We even get a drink. Yeah, yeah, she's one glass down, listeners, so see if you can uh, <laughs> note true. the progression. No sips have been taken. Throughout the show. Uh, Jake, whilst we were in Salford last week covering the radio festival, you guys at Broadcast went to Cannes. Yes. Uh, must have been a tough choice. Uh, bigger budgets, I guess. There were a few commissions that caught my eye at MIPCOM. Maybe you can talk us through them. Uh, first of all, Dating Naked. <laughs> Which be, is... They used to be dating in the dark. Do you remember that? <laughs> I did not. How did that work? infrared cameras yes yeah well it's, it's sort of very done, similar it did exactly Otherwise, what it would be a radio format, this, this again does exactly the same uh, it, it's, it is what it is and uh, people get together they date naked and uh, decide if they want to carry on their relationship it's currently airing on vh1 in america uh, apparently there was some interest from UK broadcasters but we're going to have to watch this space to see if, uh, if anyone bizarre, picks it up I mean, not to get too crude but you'd imagine there'd be a fairly obvious sign as to whether the man in that particular equation would want to carry on with that relationship but anyway Battle Cats, what's that? <laughs> <laughs> Battle Cats, I can exclusively reveal follows a group of eccentric cat owners as they pit their pets against each other in extreme feline challenges, now quite what that means I don't really know but given, <laughs> given how well cats do on YouTube one can only imagine you that want the UK it. broadcasters will be lining up for this one. And dogs. Uh, Maggie, you uh, didn't fly out to Cannes, but you have been in Newcastle today. What was that like? What were you doing? Oh, I've been actually chairing um, the Arts TV Forum. A lot of really good people turned up to talk to delegates in the northeast everybody's feeling a little bit sort of worried now especially the bbc there's also this rise of regionalism the fact that uh, the northeast and the, the eastern side of the country actually has been neglected as salford has taken all of the sort of the goodies and birmingham's coming up a bit too in bbc terms so there was that alan yentob i had to chair um he made a, it up to newcastle did he he did, he, did. He, he well he'd been in On new york indeed he'd been in new york at, at the weekend um because he was setting 
setting up Jeff Koons and various other things. He had dinner with Mark Thompson, blah, blah, blah. You know, Alan is a great networker. But yes, he did come up, uh, and I conducted a 40-minute discussion with him about... Uh, the BBC's new arts initiative, putting arts up there with news and sport as part of the, the brand. And then he, he showed some clips from his recent Imagines and all the rest of it and tried to explain this dual role as creative director of the whole of the BBC, not just arts, and also presenter of the Imagine strand. And we then had a very, very good discussion because for the first time, I haven't heard him before, Phil Edgar-Jones, the new director of Sky Arts, was there. He runs one and two now. And we had Richard Klein, who runs Perspective on ITV, somebody from Channel 4. I'm really very interested to see if the BBC's arts initiative turns out to be of substance. And that was one of the things that was being discussed because we we really don't know. They've got a lot of sort of initiatives going on but it's not clear to me whether audiences and the reach more people coming into the arts is actually happening yeah jake what's your view on that just briefly before we move on to other stories because that you know there's all this branding and we we in media bubbles talk about this but actually the public haven't got any increasing awareness of bbc arts and bbc music well, yet i think they? if you asked a, a member of the joe public if they they knew about the bbc arts brand they'd say no i mean it's still in its infancy but this is a this is a big issue for Tony Hall. I mean, he's attached himself to this project very publicly. I think there will be expectation for success. I think if the BBC wants to gain an understanding of what good arts programming looks like, it only needs to look at Channel 4 and Grayson Perry, which launched this week, mm. uh, his new series, Who Are You?, which was just fantastic. And he has a, a, an amazing way of connecting with a, an audience. And I wouldn't be too surprised if the BBC were having a little look at Grayson and whether he might be able to do a bit of work for them. Because they managed to get him to do the Reef Lectures after Channel 4 had made him into a broadcasting star. One of the things that was discussed, really, though, is whether arts actually can work in primetime slots at 9pm. Now, interestingly, on Saturday night, uh, they did actually run Rembrandt, a very, very good uh, documentary by Simon Sharma. Now, that only got 900,000 viewers. Now, I think that's quite good, but I'm not name-dropping now, but I actually also have been interviewing David Attenborough this week and I found out that David Attenborough and I had watched the same Rembrandt programme on together yes not together no <laughs> separately in our houses in London before he I interviewed him on the Sunday but he had made a very critical attack on both BBC Two Rembrandt was on BBC Two and also on the state of BBC arts and, and documentaries remember this is the man who basically founded BBC oh, Two oh, and also commissioned Civilization, and so this programme was made by the so-called team you know the arts team either culture or imagine but it actually went out under the name Rembrandt which makes me suspect too that they know that they've got a problem with these anonymous sounding brands that you don't you're not really interested in the culture show you're interested in what is on that show so I agree with you that they probably are having quite a lot of rethinks to make it give some punch really to the arts okay well let's move on from tv to radio with the uh, tempting prospect of a shared maggie brown david attenborough platform on beamley in the back of our minds uh, and uh, tackle some stories from the world of the wireless uh, first up my how quickly time flies it is the ray jars again the uk you both look very excited uh, I'm not, because i think they come around far too hold often. that thought maggie because uh, first we've got someone who does care about this stuff <laughs> it's radio consultant matt Deegan. Let's discover his take on the radio ratings. I think it's all about the rise of the spin-off. Great response for Heat Radio, 
so Heat is up to nearly a million listeners and they've kind of steadily grown over the last 18 months it's actually a really good listen absolute 80s 1.4 million boost commercial digital radio station and it had like a breakfast increase because this is since absolute radio have done their special magical project banana technology which means Christian O'Connell which is a fun entertaining breakfast show on the main station uh, you can tune in on the spin-off so 60s 70s 80s 90s noughties and classic rock but it gives you the right music for each of those stations and you know what if someone listens uh, there's an old adage of you know the radio station you go to bed to is the one you wake up to you know, for a lot of 80s listeners before they got something else when they woke up and so encourage more switching whereas if you've got the same sort of thing all the time uh, you kind of keep those listeners longer and I think they're really reaping the benefits of that um, not great for Global Radio's Heart London I think there is something about demographics and you know this is looking at July, August and September big holiday time families listen to that radio station so I think probably a blip for them uh, Heart in the rest of the country where they've taken over lots of real radios recently actually doing quite well and starting to uh, really kind of put on audience and the sort of anoraki naysayers saying how dare they take more local radio away from us evil global radio hey guess what turns out people quite like heart I think the BBC, Six Music's had a good book, nearly 2 million. Uh, Radio 1's pulled back a bit. Still over 10 million, that's like a psychologically important number for them. But I think there's gonna, they're going to still have to think about what they're doing if they really want to try and drag their age younger whilst also staying over 10 million. That was Matt Deegan of Folder Media. Maggie, you were expressing some scepticism about the whole process there. Well, yes, I, I, I think they do come round too often. And, I mean, there's hardly any change. Uh, oh, we're a bit surprised because, you know, Radio 3 has recovered a bit. Well, goodness me, they have the proms in the summer, the last <laughs> quarter. You know, how surprising. So more people are interested in classical music because there's some nice live music going on from some top composers, etc., etc. Uh, you know, Radio 4 is, has gone up a bit. That's very nice. Uh, Radio 6 music is, is continuing to plough its wonderful niche. But that- that is a big story, isn't it? That's the growth of digital. That's yes, a big story. Yes, I am story. pleased that there's the growth of digital. I'm very pleased, too, that Radio 4 is holding its own, despite, in my opinion, absolutely dreadful storylines in the archers. But I just groan, really, because actually, literally, nothing much changes. I think if there's one trend we might be able to pull from it, I think some very interesting comments from Ben Cooper, the boss of Radio 1 mm. this week. Radio 1's uh, audience was down 2.5% to 10.6 million, and he said that it's only part of the story now Radio for, for Radio 1. Uh, they're considering launching a, an iPlayer channel, they have a real presence on YouTube... It'd be interesting to see whether the trust, which is currently examining the proposal for Radio 1 online uh, and the the iPlayer channel, whether it believes there is room for both Radio 1 and BBC 3 as iPlayer propositions. But can we all agree, and we did discuss this last time the Radios came around, but can we all agree the system is completely flawed? People writing in pen and paper diaries what they've been listening to retrospectively. That's nuts, See, I was going to say that, but I I, I thought that I would uh, be a lone voice because it seems that the radio industry has no appetite for change. Well, we've got nothing else to to, to lean on. And and whilst Ollie Man Through the Night is London's number one overnight radio show by some margin, why should we? Thank you. I just mentioned it incidentally because obviously it's the the big story everyone's talking about. But Maggie, you know, it is a problem, isn't it, this way of of measuring ratings? but I mean they've tried all the different methods of picking up using all sorts of badges and goodness knows what and wristwatches and and none of it appears to have worked Uh, in in a funny way the barb system is at least trying to modernise using a certain amount of catch up from uh, laptops and and, and on the the go media and tablets but 
it's it's a problem for everybody really what what i feel about radar is that it probably over the long term does capture trends but I, I i don't really trust it from one quarter to the next i suppose it captures brand awareness doesn't it but that's different as to what people are actually listening to well let's stick with radio some changes at the bbc caroline Raphael leaving radio 4 after 30 years at the beeb uh, as exec she was responsible for comedy shows at the station and its sister channel as well uh, for extra jake why do you think she's going uh well sadly i think it's a symptom of the cutbacks in the uh, in the bbc news division uh, and uh, and radio as well consequently I think her job was reduced to a part-time role uh, I'm not too close to this story so I don't know whether that was a, a direct cause and effect but the, the report suggests that it did have some bearing uh, on her decision to leave and I you know reading her credits extraordinary wealth of experience in comedy commissioned some fantastic shows launched the careers well helped launch the careers of people like Miranda you know David Wellims Matt Lucas the BBC needs to make sure that it has an eye on these things and continues uh, to commission great comedy for radio and Maggie as a regular Radio 4 listener do you think they are still you know as fresh as they need to be particularly at 6.30 when it comes no, to comedy I don't, I don't particularly no, I don't I, think I they like do either. the 6.30 slots on the other hand look from her point of view 30 years at the BBC you're, you're guaranteed of a, a brilliant pension you get a good payoff and I bet you you have independent producers lining up to tap you so I wouldn't have thought it's the end of the world for her it's more of a problem and 30 years actually you know maybe she'll come up with some brilliant idea for an independent and make herself a fortune but what what should a new comedy commissioner actually be trying to do there do you think Maggie because it seems to me you listen to radio for the style of comedy that people are playing out particularly at 6.30 and it is it's a sort of version of what we had in the 80s isn't it whereas you know it does there's the, refreshing yes I mean you look at what people are listening to on the internet and it's uh, I don't know I, I've actually stopped listening to um, I mean I, I am a massive radio f- I, I would go to the barricades for radio for myself but I, I have stopped listening to the comedy and I don't know what the answer is really Well we also heard this week from Alan Davey the new controller of Radio 3 what did he have to say? Well, I was actually very interested in this because he was speaking... He also, having been, I'm sorry to say this again, in Gateshead, he actually gave a plug to Gateshead. You should never apologise for being no, in Gateshead, he, as Oscar Wilde famously he, said. He gave a plug uh, to the fact that one of the issues that arose in his uh, interview, because he's stepping down, as we all know, Chief Executive of the Arts Council England, and he's going to be the new controller of Radio 3, one of the things he said was that there, there, is, there is a problem that, that the subsidy to London, £40 a head, is... is is much higher than elsewhere in the country and, and the correction was underway but that it would take time but that you could not simply plonk arts venues or try to sort of artificially create centres of excellence it took time but he mentioned that Gateshead is an example of over 14 years creating something really wonderful because there's a whole it's a bit like the South Bank in London but what he also said was that when he goes to Radio 3 the answer is not to dumb down but to wise up I don't know quite what that means, but it does mean, I think, that it's not going to be uh, a copy of Classic FM. I saw a brilliant comment on the Guardian website, actually. Yes. Someone put underneath, that sounds like the sort of thing a contestant says on The Apprentice shortly yes. before getting fired. Exactly, <laughs> except that he's getting hired. So, you know, I mean, what, the question really is also, who's? I'm not exactly sure who's going to be running the proms because it's rather intrinsic to the health of Radio 3 that they do have a really strong prom season. And going back to our thing about BBC Arts, it's quite clear that there was an area in which they rather cocked up this this summer which was putting the new classical compositions online on this new 
BBC Arts site and not on television, only to find that there was very poor take-up because, as it turns out, the people who like classical music do not naturally go online for their music. And so next year they're reinstating classical music that's being composed now and given an airing uh, on television rather than hiding it away, so they, the fans would say, uh, on online. And Jake, when he talks about wising up rather than dumbing down... Do you think anyone's under threat from that? I mean, if I was Petrock Trelawney hosting that kind of quite jolly classic FM rivaling breakfast show where they play three-minute bursts of, you know, overtures, would you feel a little bit worried, do you think? Um, can I just say, I'm probably not a Radio 3 listener. Well, but isn't that part of the problem? <laughs> yeah. I mean, actually, that, that's, that's the other issue, isn't it? Radio 3 I, I, listeners I are dying out. I actually tune in to Radio 3, and, and to be honest, the proms, uh, I, I just don't consider my thing either. Perhaps the BBC could be doing more to engage with people like me. Well, obviously you are a Philistine, Jake, but that's the issue, isn't it, Maggie? You know, trying to woo new listeners means to an extent what some of the core Radio 3 listeners would think of as dumbing down. But it's it's a problem that has haunted Radio 3 ever since I've been writing about the media. I'm talking about 30 years. This debate has been going on and on and on because the classic Radio 3 listener has always been perceived of as white, male and pretty old and very, very, very sort of prickly about the uh, integrity of classical music. And uh, on that hangs... There are a lot of problems. I I think Davey was also saying, actually, that it was going to be more of a cultural network, which is what it has, to some extent, um, evolved into. One of the interesting things that um, Radio 3's Roger Wright was involved in uh, recently was this project with BBC Three where they got uh, Phaser from N-Dubs involved and they trained up uh, some people uh, to perform at one of the, uh, one of the proms and it was, a, it was a two-part BBC Three documentary and that helped. I mean, it was the first... Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. First thing I'd really engage with in terms of the proms on the BBC and I thought it was a, it was a great accessible way into into that area. I could hear a lot of those uh, white male older listeners that Maggie's talking about spitting out their coffee at the very idea of phaser from N-dubs. Uh, well, that's it for Radio News, but we'll have some more media news in brief next. This episode of the Media Podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform for hosting and web design. If you need to get a great-looking website for a forthcoming doc or drama or whatever, and you need to get it really quickly, these folks will sort you out. 
Squarespace's drag and drop tools make it easy to add video, audio and pictures to your design. They have e-commerce solutions so you can sell your merch and they have 24-hour support based in the US, UK and elsewhere. Plans start at $8 a month and includes a free domain name if you sign up for a year. Get a free trial with no credit card required and 10% off when you use the offer code MEDIAPOD. And please do use that code. It sends a message that it's worth supporting what we do here at the Media Podcast. Begin building your website with Squarespace today. And don't forget, you'll receive 10% off when you use the offer code MEDIAPOD. Well, welcome back, kids. We all know this is the podcast where you young thrusting types get your main news. But uh, there is a young upstart called Vice, uh, and their YouTube channel hit one million subscribers this week. They've been talking up their ambitions for the future. Well, you would with that kind of number, wouldn't you? Uh, Jake, broadcast were at the screening of their latest documentary this week. What have Vice got planned for the future? What are they talking about? Well, they're talking a lot about uh, giving uh, more young independent filmmakers an opportunity uh, they're starting to engage with the production sector in the UK. I mean, they do a lot of stuff in-house, but they are actively seeking ideas that they can uh, put on their online channels. Uh, generally, TV is quite fascinated by Vice. I think it's you know, often mentioned in the same breath as Netflix and, uh, and YouTube. I think one of the interesting things they're doing at the moment is they're actually starting to schedule their documentaries. So they're actually put up on YouTube at a certain time uh, on a certain day of the week. And that could provide some really interesting lessons for BBC Three if it does indeed move online next year. I think that's absolutely right. I mean, it puts pay to the lie, doesn't it? The young people aren't interested in politics, aren't interested in news. It just has to be packaged in a slightly different yeah, way. The documentary was on Afghanistan, which I think was really interesting. And secondly, uh, they've recruited for the UK Kevin Sutcliffe, who was the person behind really all of the great recent current affairs shows at Channel 4. It's a really, really good appointment. I, I don't know how he... He was kind of squeezed out in the new Jay Hunt regime. So I, I, think it, I think it's, again, one of these very good examples of new channels opening up and new ways of documentary makers not being uh, kind of so controlled by the commissioning editors that exist now, but, but having a new patron if you like and, and, and a new way of reaching audiences it's great although they like to present themselves don't they understandably so as a kind of rock and roll anti-establishment, anti-establishment. yeah alternative yeah. to the news but actually the co-founder Shane Smith saying Vice is going to make half a billion in profit this year possibly a billion next year Maggie that's not coming from YouTube CPMs is it there, no, there are some no. big deals here obviously I mean I don't all I know is that actually uh, well doing a deal with HBO it, can't hurt can it, it? Can't and they have help. some very high profile backers as well in, yeah. in Time Warner and Murdoch's are interested in them aren't they mm. and, um, and you know documentaries are where it's at that's the other thing this is where a lot of filmmakers are actually putting their efforts because the real world is as we know it we're in a very very interesting era mm. this is almost like the 60s everything is breaking up we've got we've got wars we've got terrible pestilence i mean a lot of these things are almost like science fiction and they're happening now well, you mentioned BBC Three, Jake, and uh, the BBC Trust chair, Rona Fairhead, appeared to say that moving BBC Three <laughs> online only was a good idea uh, at uh, the House of Commons Select Committee for Culture. What, what did you think of her performance? That was actually the one slip-up in what was uh, otherwise a very polished performance. I mean, I have heard in the last couple of days a few grumbles from within the Trust that she went so far. I think it does raise a, a few questions about 
what happens when they make the decision if they if they decide to back the bbc then the trust could be accused of this being a fait accompli right from the start and if they say no then they could be accused of uh, performing a u-turn the other so. aspect of that was that if you if you recall david liderment was there well, david liderment who's carried out a lot of the reviews is about to leave the trust mm. i think he's very, been very skeptical about the plans to close bbc3 the other thing is that, it, quite rightly, the committee asked why has it taken so long between Tony Hall's announcement, which actually leaked out, at the, or was it had to be put out at the end of March, and now um, you still haven't seen the formal proposals. What's going on? In the meantime, BBC Three exists in this kind of limbo where you almost run down the commissioning and yet everybody's sort of uncertain about what is going to happen next. So it's a very, very strange uh, situation to be in. And what it shows is if, if, if Rona was kind of thinking out loud, it shows that possibly there isn't this degree of objectivity and separation on a big strategic decision like that that ought to exist between the BBC executive and the BBC Trust. Now, quite separately, I have been, over the past few weeks, writing an article about the BBC and Scotland and what is going to happen under any kind of new form of devolution. And I have been trying to find out what both sides think, only to find that, A, nobody would talk to me, but so we're, we're in the pre-election phase. But secondly, the statement that was finally provided by the Trust was actually the statement that the BBC executive also agreed with. Mm. So there, as one, over an issue like that, what should be now done about BBC Scotland and its services, which, again, strikes me as very unsatisfactory, to be honest with you. Because the, the issue, the old chestnut being they're supposed to be, uh, you know, the public's champion, not the BBC's champion. That's right. Yeah. And, you know, there is a distinct difference of interest between the executive and the trust and yet on big decisions you, you, you wonder really whether that separation is in place there's clearly something wrong with the governance and that was, I thought Sajid Java didn't actually say anything very new but he was clearly indicating that the BBC, well I mean we're in an election year I know but the BBC uh, should not take anything for granted now Indeed, Bed Bradshaw said uh, the, the trustees have got a death wish if they think that they're going to carry on in their jobs, I think. <laughs> Something along those lines. But he also, if you recall, in that, it was very interesting. The classic BBC defence, which Bradshaw, as a former culture secretary for Labour, was talking about, was the value of the BBC, you know, 40p a day or whatever. And Sajid Javid was having none of it. He was not, he, he would not countenance this idea that just because per day it costs X amount. He said it's still £145.50 a year and for some families that's a lot and he just would not buy that classic BBC defence, let alone over the whole thing of decriminalisation. So the BBC is in a very is in a very sticky place, right? Yeah, now. I mean it's clear that there are much bigger issues facing Rona Fairhead than the decision over BBC Three. One thing I wanted to just, just say, I thought Ben Bradshaw just sticking with Ben actually, briefly he made a really good point I thought and uh, tried to get some comment from the trust on it but he basically said it should be incumbent on the political parties to put their position on the BBC uh, in their manifestos in their in their political manifestos mm. when it comes to the election next year I think that's a brilliant point and I would like to see transparency from the political parties as to what their plans are for the BBC I would agree with that and that would probably let's be honest work out better for the BBC wouldn't it because none of them want to campaign on the basis they want to reduce it you'd have to be a, a, a mad politician to 
decide that you're going to publicly cripple the BBC because uh, the BBC is uh, a, a hugely, still is a hugely popular institution. Okay, well, a quick bit of news on that channel. We'd all pay double BBC subscription to watch if we only we could. Channel Five. Uh, they've reached a deal with Ofcom regarding the terms of sale to Viacom. Uh, Jake, what's changed? Well, there's been uh, an increase in original content uh, in prime time from 40% to 45%. Uh, having said that, half the content in prime time on Channel 5 is original currently, so it's already hitting that target. Uh, there's, a, there's a greater commitment to news, uh, so they're going to do, well, their, their news hours are going to go up from 260 to 280 a year. And this is really good news. I mean, this is Viacom, a huge US media company coming in and saying we are backing UK content and that can only be good news uh, especially for the business of ITV if anybody wants to take over ITV <laughs> this sets an incredible precedent oh you know you can trust us Americans give us anything give us the crown jewels will you be watching though Maggie uh, channel 5 yes well, I might do I mean I've, with the I've, sound down and radio 3 on well I like things like the hotel inspector. Oh yeah, that is They've good. got some good things like the gadget show. I mean, yeah. one shouldn't be snooty. Well, you, you can be snooty. I'm it's sort of inviting you to do though, that. Is it? No, but I mean, Channel Five News, for example, over the years, and I know when I've been been judging awards, has done a lot of news stories that actually are of interest, say, mm. to women and mothers at home because the news has been at five o'clock. Lots of quite good stuff. So I, I think it's an opportunity waiting to be exploited. Very good. All right. Well, also this week, The Guardian revealed that the social media app Whisper was tracking users that thought they were messaging anonymously. This was using their IP address to provide location data. The story raised a few eyebrows for another reason, though. The Guardian found all of this out when their team went to meet Whisper about a collaboration uh, and then passed what they found out to the editorial side of the business. Jake, this is an interesting way to get a scoop, isn't it? I have to say, the, the, the Guardian article, uh, which I've read in full, isn't massively clear about whether there was a, any sort of commercial relationship. I think if there was a commercial relationship, that really muddies the waters and makes this look a bit suspect, I think. If it was purely an editorial partnership, whereby they were sharing information or, or you know, journalistic know-how, then perhaps it's a bit more acceptable and a bit more palatable. I'm, I'm not entirely sure where I'd sit on this and I have to say the Guardian piece isn't particularly transparent about the way it picked up this information. I think you have to read down to like the 11th par in the story to find out how it sourced this. And Maggie, do you think actually though you have a responsibility as a journalist if, even if you're going along for a commercial discussion if you discover something that you think is of interest, of public interest uh, to report it? Yes, of course. I, I, I mean, goodness me, of course. But I'm just amazed that everybody's so naive to think that you think you're anonymous, but you're being tracked. I, I always assume you are. So, I mean, I, I don't know how to put it. In a, I probably sound like I'm old and cynical, but uh, what do you expect? I think Whisper makes very public commitments, though, I know not it does, to track but people. What do you expect? You know? <laughs> <laughs> do you think it's going to make it harder, though, Maggie, for The Guardian to find business partners? You know, this is out there, it gets shared, it's on the internet forever. Well, I mean, The Guardian is right to be very choosy, it has to protect its brand. The final word from Maggie Brown there. <laughs> right, uh, in slightly more light-hearted matters, just time for the media quiz. Uh, this week, it is entitled Common Ground. Uh, I'll list some people. You just have to tell me what media story connects them. As ever, use your name to buzz in. Cadbury's cream egg for the winner. Number one. The Guardian's Dan Saber, Sky News's Kay Burley, Tory oh, strategist Linton Crosby... Oh, Maggie, say your name, say your name. 
Oh, Maggie Brown, Maggie, uh, Guido yes. Fawkes, horrible, horrible 10th anniversary dinner. The <gasps> dinner from hell, and you look at the guest list, but they were there. Which uh, is extraordinary, though, isn't it? Just how establishment they are as figures, and there they are at well, Guido Fawkes' dinner. Most of them, I, they, they look many men who probably prefer to go out to dinner than maybe go home to their wives. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, this was a dinner plan that was ripped off the wall by the Telegraph's Peter yeah, Oborn. I mean, him. it shows how cosy Guido Fawkes is with the establishment, though, doesn't Absolutely. it, Jake? That was the surprise. <laughs> I like Guido Fawkes. He's a, he's a perfectly nice person. I mean, you know, I, I wouldn't say I wouldn't go to a dinner, but... I, I'm pleased to see you've got your ethical code, Maggie, and you are coming to the Media Podcast Drinks later. Uh, OK, number two. Quantum Leap's Scott Bakula and Quantum Leap's Dean Stockwell. What connects those people? I have absolutely no idea. Uh, The connection is uh, that uh, NCIS New Orleans uh, is the new programme they're filming. Stockwell will be reunited with Bakula in a Thanksgiving special. Well, I don't watch it, so there you go. Okay, well, there you are. Uh, Right, number three. Barack Obama, James Nochte, Jill Abramson... Oh, 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 Jake... Yeah, <laughs> I think yes. Jake got him first. Why win on a technicality here? So the rules are the rules. Yes. Uh, explain what you mean by Ben Bradley, the great editor of the Washington Post, yeah. who was there when uh, Nixon's uh, was exposed and, and Watergate. The Watergate scandal shocked the whole of the the world, really. And he um, passed away this week. He he died. Yes, at age ninety three. Um, and uh, yeah, everybody. Well, but Obama had already given him. Um, an honour, but everybody expressed gave gave tributes. I well, mean, what, what struck me about this week and uh, and the story about Bradley is that it, this was a proper journalist who oversaw proper stories, and in an age of fast news and clickbait. I think we'd do well to remember his legacy. The key thing was he demanded two sources on the stories. That's the key thing. So although there was the deep throat, uh, and this is, is, is very interesting in, in the film of uh, All the President's Men, he always drove uh, the two quite young reporters, remember, to investigate. It wasn't good enough to just have one. If, for example, you knew that Howard Hunt very early on had been paying or there was an involvement so uh, get the extra information and it was follow the money if you remember because the money had basically come from the White House so that was why he was such, I mean he was a really tough tough experienced editor taking a huge gamble but it was these two sources Okay, well, you both got that right. Um, Jake, you did buzz in, but then Maggie got the answer first. We've got a tie break, but I think in conclusion, I think I preferred Jake's tribute to the man. I'm sorry. I thought it was more succinct. Um, Have we got any other questions? So I think, well, no, Jake, you're winning the cream egg. Can I do a a, a what connects these people? Can I do a what connects these people? Go on. For you two, how about Jon Snow, Philip Davis and Krishnan Guru Murphy? Uh, Philip Davis, who's a pretty right-wing Tory on the Culture Media Sport Committee, was having a tour of the newsroom, and um, uh, Jon Snow started to have a go at him because he'd criticised Well, him. that is disputed by Philip Davis. I know. <laughs> yeah, all right. Uh, don't don't clearly, let the cream go to your head. I'm the host but here. But clearly, and, and Krishnan <laughs> came in to defend his, his co-presenter, all right, well, 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 presenter. It sounds like hilarious. Whilst we're just throwing in what connects these people, uh, what connects Michael <laughs> Kalman and Mark Parker? Talking about Let's Follow the Money, they are both contributors to this episode of the Media Podcast. They both <laughs> crowdfunded the show. Much. Thank you. Uh, so big thanks to them. The episode is dedicated to you, Michael Kalman, who, when not working in Canadian telly, is usually lost somewhere in the Rockies. And also, Mark Parker, thank you for your money too. You are a former announcer at Euston Station. Uh, but bigger thanks even to Maggie Brown and to Jake Cantor. Thank you very much, chaps. Uh, we will be back in two weeks' time. Remember to get the episode straight away by subscribing at themediapodcast.com. I've been Ollie Mann. 
and the producer is Matt Hill. Until next time, bye-bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.